Yeah, what's up everybody? This is the Brokenness to Faith podcast and I just woke up. And I'm here with and I'm here with Noah. Um my name is Mark, but um I go by I just woke up because I literally took a nap, overslept, got up right before my alarm, but then laid down still and then got a text saying, you know, I need to be somewhere, and then I said, I'll be on my way, but then I decided to lay in bed for 10, 15 more minutes, because that's the right thing to do, right? No, but needless <laughs> needless to say, take your naps, kids, because when you get older, you just won't have much time for them during right. your working career. So, and everything I'm saying right now actually ties in perfectly to what we're going to be talking about. Does it? Um, the followers <laughs> of Jesus should be like light. I'm just kidding. Me taking that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> nothing. All right, I'll read it. Noah's going to give us some of his thoughts. Verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world of Matthew chapter 5. So, Matthew chapter 5. Yeah, we're continuing the Sermon on the Mount series that we've been doing. So, uh, if you can't tell, can that we, we've Matthew done five. one so far. Well, we, we did the Beatitudes, which I guess is. Sure. Yeah. They can't see your air quotes, so. I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, and he has makeup on too. You yeah. can't see it. Uh, <laughs> you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And he gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Mm. That's good. Um, Obviously, this is on the backs of the salt of the earth, so kind of continuing in this uh, symbolic language of how we're supposed to be as believers, right? Um, You know, first it was the salt and how, you know, how salt behaves and acts and the things we're supposed to do. And so now Jesus is flipping things a bit and calling us light. And the first thing that he mentions as light is that we should be like a town built on a hill. Um, and actually, in reading into this a little bit and, and doing some background reading for this verse, uh, it's believed that at the time Jesus was probably somewhere near uh the Sea of Galilee, probably along the shore, and not too far off would have been the city of Safed, I think is how you say it, in Israel, which is a town that is on a hill. And so it's very possible that Jesus had an actual city in the distance on a hill that he could have pointed to and said, you know, be like that city. Um, This isn't something that maybe we're familiar with here in America, but in the Middle East, especially at this period of time, it wasn't uncommon for cities to be built on these high places because not only was it easily defendable, but it was easily seen, right? Travelers could look and say, oh, there's that city. I can see it because it's on the hill. And so it's a very simple analogy, but I think the key point here is that you can't miss a city that is up on a hill, right? It would be like driving into Los Angeles and not seeing the city. You know, you can't miss the skyscrapers and the the tall buildings and things like that, right? You can't miss the city that is on the hill. And I think that, you know, there's other connotations to this idea of being light. 
that we'll talk about, I think, later. But the first point about being light is that you can't miss it, right? You can't miss the light or that city on the hill. And as believers, we also should be the type of people that you just can't miss, right? Like, everybody should know who we are, what we believe, and what we're about, right? We shouldn't be hidden or easily missed or out of the way or whatever, right? Like that city, nobody can miss it. Everybody knows where that city is, how to get to it. You know, once they get to a certain point, they can see it and they know it's there, right? And that's how we as believers should be, right? Easily seen, not missable, there for the whole region to see, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if you wanted to, you couldn't hide a city, it's, you know, it would be impossible. And same with us, we should be so bright that you couldn't be hidden even if they wanted to. Mm. And we'll talk about the the bull in a minute, but yeah, that's my first thoughts on the city. My first thoughts are you're sick and I'm tired and we're great. I got allergies, man. I've, I've been getting hit hard with allergies. So I'm a little sniffly and a little plugged up. Yeah. Uh, what I found out this week, and this <laughs> definitely has to do with City on a Hill. Yeah. Is whenever you go to the doctor, they always tell you, are you allergic to any medication? And growing up, you always start by saying no, right? right? You, you, yeah, you don't think so. You yeah. don't think so. Well, I finally had my first allergic reaction to some medicine, and my, like like a lot of my skin just started, just started like getting wounds or cuts. And I was like freaking out, and then the doctor was like, "Oh well." I went back, and he's like, "Well, around the time we gave you the medicine, is that when it started?" Yeah, like it, like two days after. He's <laughs> like, uh, "Ring, ring." So we're gonna take you off this medicine, give you other medicine. And wouldn't you know it? Like ten days later, eleven, twelve days later, I was fine. Right. So there's a first time for everything, and if you are new to this podcast, there's a first time for you hearing me speak. Right, nice segue. Well, um, <laughs> city on a hill. Back in the day, ancient cities, a lot of them were placed if they could be on a hill. And I know Noah talked about that a bit, but one reason why was because um, if there was something going on and they were fleeing something, they were running from something. They could go see that hill, or the they could see the city. And the hill, and they could run to it. Right. They could run to it for safety. It was easy to find. And if we are called, if we are called, if we are called as Christians, if we are called as as a people um, who are called to be, you know, light, light of the world, we should be a people that people run to, not especially non Christians. That non-Christians run to, that flee to in times of hurt, in times of brokenness, in times of danger, in times of in need of safety. Right. Are they running to us? Are they running to excessive drinking? I, uh, drinking itself isn't wrong, but like excessive drinking. Are they running to self-hurt, self-harm? Are they running to that guy or girl they shouldn't hang out with and they, and they have sex or, you know... Whatever they pornography are they running to or when something bad is going on, you know, 
are are you as a Christian living your life in such a way that when your friends are are going through something that might not believe in God, are they turning to you? Right. Because as Christians, we will truly know if our light is shining, not necessarily amongst other Christians, but we'll truly know if our light is shining if, you know, when, when the when non-Christian run towards us. When that person run towards us, when they're hurting, when they're broken. Um, so we need to be, as disciples of Christ, as an individual Christian, we need to be like the city on the hill, the refuge. We talk about how Jesus is our refuge. Now, I'm not equating us to Jesus because obviously we're not. But we need to be like Jesus in the sense that we need to be refuge for people. Do we bring the salvation? I mean, we bring the message of salvation that was given to us through the Bible. But but we are not salvation itself. But we need to be that a group of people that people run to, flock to, and can talk to us and can say, I just need prayer. I mean, and then as a whole body, as the body of Christ, we need to be that. As a body of Christ, there are people, we have a midweek prayer service, and when people who, there are people who never go, never show up. They might go to our church, they might not, they just don't go. But right. then the moment they have someone in the hospital, it's a serious issue, they're showing up for the next two or three weeks straight because they know they can turn to the church. Right. Now, your friend or that person in that example, you know, I just gave, you know, they might not come back once their situation's resolved because that's just how people are sometimes. Oh, I'm all good. So when I'm off work, I'm tired, I'm going to go home because they don't have to make, they don't have that weight on their shoulders. But at least they know that we can be relied upon. Right. Can you be relied upon? Is your light always on? Kind of like a store. You know, can you be relied upon? Like, if I need something, can I rely on that store being there? And if there's times where if I get there too late, it's gone, right? There's times in your life where, you know, it might be too late. But as we as Christians, we need to be like that 24-7 store. We're the always, always open. <laughs> the light is uh, who? What uh, place says that? Uh, oh, there's an, uh, a motel. Yeah, or Motel Six. Yeah, they the say, light's always on. Or they'll say, "We'll leave the light we'll on." We'll leave the light. That's what it is. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel Six, <laughs> not a good motel. Lots of druggies and prostitutes. But they leave the light on. They leave the light on, <laughs> and they need the Lord. But it, it's the truth. We need to be a people that's like a twenty-four-seven store. Right. Like our our light is always on. We are always open to talk to people. There are times when I get a message on Instagram or I get a call and I'm laying in bed. I'm like, it's like 1030 at night. And I know there's a good chance I'm going to be up another hour anyways. But it's like, like it's, it's late. Why are you calling me? But then I have to think they, they're running to me. And maybe it's me, and if I don't answer, they're going to run to something stupid. Right. Or they might run to something stupid anyways, but maybe I can help prevent that. Give some sanity, right? So then that's when I think, okay, I'll answer. Now, if it's like every day, I get it. If it's like 24, like every day the same person's hitting you up like at 2 in the morning, hey, I'm just going through this. I'm glad you're there for them, but then after a while, you got to set boundaries. Because no one wants to be called at like 1 a.m. every night. But are you being that light on the hill? Are you are you shining? 
you know, like how we're right. supposed to be right here. Um, I like this quote by Elder Joseph B. Worthlin. Hmm. Um, and he wrote in this book, Build It Right. Uh, he said, Jesus wants every one of us to know him because of the transforming power of that knowledge and because of the indescribable joy it brings to our lives. But the influence of the gospel is to extend beyond each individual. It is to be as a light that dispels the darkness from the lives of those around us. No one is saved solely and simply for himself alone, just as, just as no lamp is lightened merely for its own benefit. Mm. We don't light, the lamp itself isn't lit just for itself. The light in our house isn't lit just for, it's for the use so I can see. Right. It's for the use so I can navigate and get around and go where I need to go, right? And the same spiritual life, our light needs to shine, not just so we can post some Bible verse on our social media, <laughs> but it needs to shine so that we can help people see, and we can help people see where they need to go. And as a light, we can navigate them through this world and show them where they need to go and who they need to, need to be. Mm. You know, And that, that's where we, as, as light of the world, that's how it should be. Right. Uh, verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just thinking if I want to share something now or later, I think I'll save it for verse 16. Um, so kind of building on this idea that, you know, a light is useless if it's hidden, Right. Pretty simple what Jesus is trying to say here, but it speaks kind of to what you're saying that, you know, the light signifies that you are there for somebody else, right? Um, as well as other things, but that is pointless if it's hidden, right? It's one thing if there's no light being shown at all, right? That's a whole other issue. It's another problem if we have the light, but we're not letting it shine, right? It's basically pointless you know this reminds me of what james says where he says uh faith without works is dead right this kind of has that same feeling to me it's like the light under the basket is no light at all right faith that doesn't produce works is not faith at all and so you know it, it it's important that as christians that we are making it a point to let our light shine. Um, you know, the, the, the fact came to my mind, and I'm sure most people are familiar with this, but they say that the average person can see a candle from uh, 1.6 miles away without any obstruction. I've heard obstruction. something like that. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, which you think a tiny candle, you know, is so small and insignificant and, you know, one blow and it's out, whatever. But the impact can be seen from so far away. And I think, you know, that thought comes to my mind, not so much that it deals with the idea of putting it under a bowl, but I think we sometimes underestimate how much our impact can have on people. And the idea is, is like, don't hide that light away. Just put it out mm -hmm. there because you don't know how much you're actually bringing to the world, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's lighting up a room, a 
a city or for somebody to see a mile away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever impact we have, it can't exist if we're putting that light under a bowl, right? Yeah. It, it, it obviously defeats the whole purpose of the light. You know, you're wasting the oil on the lamp or the electricity, whatever the case is. You're wasting the resources. You're wasting that energy for really nothing at all, mm-hmm. right? And it's the same as Christians. What's, I guess, the point of reading our word, praying, going to church, doing all these things, if we're just going to hide under a bowl and live in our own little bubble for the rest of our lives, right? Yeah, yeah I guess that gets us into heaven, but it's a light under a lamp, right? It, it serves no purpose beyond that lamp's, I guess, own use, you know what I mean? So it's just, we have to be willing to take what we have and put it out there, not just to be that city on a hill, but you know, for any other number of reasons that we might be able to do, whether it's helping other people or providing that safe space or just merely sharing the word with them, whatever that mm-hmm. is, we have to be willing to, you know, put it out there and, mm-hmm. and be that source regardless of how little we think we can actually accomplish, you know. And, and I know this is extreme, <laughs> but I would question the wholeness or the completeness, and I know we're not fully complete until we're with Jesus, but right. on this earth, in the earthly sense, I would question the wholeness, the completeness of your salvation if you're not willing to be a light on a hill. Right. If you're not willing to shine your light, if you're, like you said, you know, oh, it's, it's just covered up, it's mainly for me. So you're willing... You realize that Jesus is Lord as a Christian, and you realize that there's a heaven and a hell, and I don't want to go to that hell. Maybe that's not the reason you're saved. You feel like God's changed you, whatever. But you know there's a heaven and a hell. But as much as you know how hell is really bad and it's eternity, heaven is really good and God is real, for some reason you're willing to allow people to choose to believe whatever they want, which could lead some to hell because you don't want to shine your light. Well, I know there's a heaven, and I know there's a hell, and I know Jesus is real. That's why I'm a Christian. But how much of a Christian are you? You're you're a pretty douchebaggy Christian if you don't want to share with people about Jesus and what he's done for you, and to an extent, the eternity of where they'll go if they don't have Jesus. And so why are we not being a city on a hill? Why are we not you know, being that, you know, that light to the world? Why are we not doing that? And you can say, well, I'm just not called to be an evangelist and all that. That's silly because we're all called to talk to people. But one thing I want to say is also being this light, it's not just so people from afar can see, so we can be there for people. But just by being a light, we are we as believers are exposing darkness. Mm. When you are in a room and you turn on the light, what happens? The darkness goes away. Yes. You better not take the quote I'm going to use. Let's find out. Um, uh, While Christ was on the earth, oh, is this the quote? Yeah. Okay, I don't think it's the quote. Okay, good. I got something else. So maybe it's like I'm just kidding. While Christ was on the earth, he exposed the false teaching of the Pharisees and scribes. Mm. He exposed the corruption taking place in the temple. It should be the same with believers. They shine light on dishonest practices, gossip, corruption amongst leaders, racism etc. This often angers people. They are the ethical lights within a friendship, a family, a business, an education system, or a government. Are you willing to expose the darkness? We expose darkness indirectly simply by living a moral life, 
but we also expose it directly by calling sin as it is. Uh, Ken Hughes, I want to read a quote by Ken Hughes. Okay. Hopefully that's it's not the one I have. <laughs> we need to be ethical light when we are in the office, in the classroom, in the shop, and in the church. We must be willing to risk being called negative, narrow, judgmental, or, or bigoted. If God's Spirit is calling us to stand up against wrong, it is up to us to be faithful. Mm. Just by shining your light, you're going to piss people off. But there are also going to be people who see the light you're living, you're living on, the truth you're standing in, and the joy and peace it brings even in hard times, and they will flock to that. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that image just popped into my mind. Like You see it often in movies or shows where somebody's sleeping in, and then the person walks in, and they open up the curtains, and the light comes in, and they have to wake up. It's kind of like that, right? That person wants to just stay in bed and sleep in that darkness. And sometimes you got to be the one to bring in the light and say, hey, you got to wake up to the world. And that's just, oh, that image came to my mind. Uh, but the quote I wanted to read was one that was originally attributed to Albert Einstein, but it's been pretty much debunked that he didn't say it. So I don't know who originally came up with this quote, but I think it still fits pretty well into what we're talking about. Um, so it goes like this. It says, evil does not exist or at least it does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It is just like darkness and cold, a word that man has created to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. Evil is not like faith or love that exists, just as does light and heat. Evil is the result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in his heart. It's like the cold that comes when there is no heat, or the darkness that comes when there is no light. And I like this because... It's true in that the sense of, you know, light is an actual thing, right? It's photons traveling in waves. We can measure it. It has speed. It has a source. It has impacts. You know, there's even scientists who have been able to manipulate light and slow it down and things like that, right? It bends. Like, it's a physical thing. It might not mm -hmm. seem like it, but it's an actual real thing. Mm -hmm. Darkness is not. You can't measure darkness. It doesn't have a speed. There's no physical manifest to it, right? When you turn off the lights, you don't turn on the darks and, you know. You don't? Turn, no, right? I've it, been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> and, and, and the idea is, is that, like I said, darkness isn't really a thing, but light is. Mm. And the same is true of, you know, the spiritual darkness and evil is that, in a sense, it might seem like a real thing, but it's really just the absence of that light. Kind of like what you're talking about, you know, that the light can be there to expose the falsehoods and the evil and the wrongdoing. And it, all it really is is just that absence of what is good and mm -hmm. what is the light. And oftentimes our role as the light is to be that presence, to replace the absence that is in somebody's life or in a building or in an area, whatever, mm -hmm. right? among other things and i think we forget about that and it brings up the whole idea that evil doesn't really have any true power right perceived power maybe but no real power all it takes is some light and it has to leave right it has mm -hmm. to move out of the way um, and this brings up verse 16 um, in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven uh, two Greek words I want to look at here. Two? Two, yeah. Uh, the first is, let me get to it, uh, is C, which is the Greek word horeo. 
and it means to perceive with an inward spiritual perception, right? So you're seeing something and it has a spiritual impact, right? So keep that in mind. And then the word for good means an outward sign of inward good, right? So I, I want to read it like this. Let your light shine before others that they may inwardly perceive your outward expression of what's inside, if that makes any sense at all, right? And so basically as the light in the world, we should be taking that that inner good that we have and bringing it to the outside, right? Again, mm-hmm. calling back to James, faith without works is dead, mm-hmm. right? In the same way, our light is in some way our good deeds. Mm-hmm. And then those good deeds are perceived by others inwardly into mm-hmm. their very spirit in their core. And that's how Jesus chooses to end this section of verses is by saying, let them see your good works, mm-hmm. right? I, in a sense, that's what it means to be the light is, you know, among these things that we've already talked about, it's, you know, do good things for others. Let that inner light become an outer light that people can see and perceive and take in, ultimately for the sake of glorifying our Father in Heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's all about at the end of the day, but, you know, we can't get to that point if we're not first doing good and letting that light shine. Mm-hmm. And I feel obligated to mention that we can't be the light if we're not doing the Beatitudes and we're not being the salt. Mm-hmm. Um, all this builds on this, so I have to... I have to get it in at least once an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Get it in <laughs> um, but yeah, we, you know, this is what Jesus is culminating to is that, you know, being the lamp, being the city on a hill, all of this is ultimately to glorify God, right? If you will, God is the sun and we are the moon in the sense that the moon isn't a source of light. It's basically just a big mirror that mm-hmm. reflects the sun onto earth, right? Um, and we're basically like the moon in the sense that we're just simply reflecting God's light, but we're taking that light to therefore, you know, shine mm-hmm. amongst men and do good deeds and, and mm-hmm. all these things that we talked about. And, and I think that that is kind of the takeaway is, are we ultimately glorifying God in what we're doing and how we're affecting people and things like that? And this feeds into what he talks about next, which is fulfilling the law and, and more about how to achieve that glorifying God and things like that. But for the time being, I think that's the ultimate goal is glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And being light is glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And, and I like uh, my final thoughts. I like, <laughs> you go back, I don't know why that's funny. Don't laugh at me. Um, I'm just kidding. I thought you were um, gonna say I like my final thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> like, great. So, um, <laughs> even going back to salt and light, um, I, I like that when they, these pictures they're giving us are powerful. And speaking of the effect of Jesus's disciples in the world, you see, salt is the opposite of corruption, and it prevents right. corruption from getting worse. Light gives the gift of guidance so that those who have lost their way can find the path home. And a city is the product of social order and government. It is against chaos and disorder. Mm. If we are doing these things right, right after we went through the attributes of Beatitudes, us being salt is we are supposed to be the opposite of corruption. Those people who are corrupt at work, corrupt in politics, 
crap at the store, whatever, even if it gives us a big disadvantage in life, in our social, uh, in our social order of where we're at, and maybe getting a promotion, we are called to be the opposite of corruption. Because if we are part of that corruption, we're adding to corruption. It's just making it worse. Right. We are supposed to be this this light that gives the gift of guidance. So those who have lost their way, by us shining the light, we can help them see the path through the clutter to get back to their true home. Even if they never were a Christian, our true home is Jesus, the church. You know, and if as a city, like a city on a hill, we're supposed to be someone that's like social order and government. Our church, every church, they have like an order. They have not that it's like a bunch of rules, but we have this code we follow, the Bible, that has a set of rules in order to help bless us, to help guide us, to help us see Jesus for who he truly is. And that Bible is against chaos and disorder, it is against all these things. Other religions believe in chaos, other religions believe in all these things that are very iffy and, and if you read closely they go against each other. The Bible is full order and and um, and it's against chaos. So if we are to be living these things, we need to prevent corruption. We need to use our light as a way of guidance and we need to be that city on a hill. When people run to us, they see order. Their life is in chaos and they need to come to church to find that peaceful order. They need to, to see you and see why is this guy at peace? Maybe his life isn't perfect, but why is this guy like his peace is like in a perfect order? Because of you know, we are we are living through these scriptures. Yeah. Um I guess for my final thoughts, I just kind of summarize some of what I already said and some of what you said is that, you know, it's pointless to keep this to ourselves. I guess that's the one thing I'd want to finish off by saying is that, you know, we can't glorify God if we are living as solitary Christians, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because Jesus didn't do that. You know, he yeah. didn't keep to himself. He didn't, you know, only minister to two people or his 12 disciples. You know, he mm-hmm. was the epitome of what the light is. He even calls himself the light many times, right? He is the light that he is now telling us to be in these couple of verses. And for us to hide that light or to be a city in the valley, you know, covered by trees, whatever, defeats the whole purpose and ultimately prevents us from glorifying God in the way that Jesus wants us to. And so I would just kind of keep that in mind is, you know, find the opportunities to be that light. And eventually it gets to the point where, much like that city on a hill, you don't have to try too hard for people to see that light, mm. right? That would be the goal is just to be so bright that people just notice you, right? Mm. Like they say when, you know, this person lights up the room, right? That's yeah. saying, like, you know, we should be those type of people where you walk into a room and the atmosphere just changes because people know mm-hmm. what you're about or who you are or what you bring to that situation. Um, so that's the ultimate goal, but, you know, besides that, it is something that you have to work at. You have to be willing to position yourself in such a way that you can be seen by others and and be seen as that light you know much like the salt the salt just doesn't end up on the food or whatever it's like you have to make some effort to be in that right position to actually be useful and to be what jesus wants us to be so i just keep that in mind just you know you have to be active and you have to be willing to 
be seen and observed and useful to others. Um, so that's my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Um, anything else? Yeah, Check I got um, one more thing I want to say. Um, this is the Brokenness of Faith podcast. Mm. How to let people know. You can check us out on any of your um, podcast websites you use. Spotify, uh, Google Play, iTunes, or Apple, whatever. All the good stuff. If you're listening, you're probably listening on one of those platforms anyways. <laughs> Share it with your friends. Let them know. We thank you guys for listening. We don't do this for to make passive income. We don't do this to get famous we do this because we're single we have no lives and we realize we need to shine our light <laughs> and um so thank you guys for listening it's the brokenness of faith podcast um uh, we love you guys so much deuces peace